are listening to the Akron Abide Bible Study Podcast. For more information, check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Akron Abide. Well, when I read Paul's instructions in Philippians chapter 2, I find myself making excuses. I find myself making excuses when I read this text because in Philippians chapter 2, Paul instructs us to live for Jesus Christ. To live for Jesus Christ in every single aspect of our life. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Philippi and he begins this letter by updating them on his current living conditions. And after he updates them on his living conditions, he then instructs them on how to live. And from the back half of Philippians chapter 1, all through Philippians chapter 2, that's what he deals with. And the Apostle Paul really reams in and, and, and really is, is harsh with this church. It's kind of mean. He says, hey, this is how you're supposed to live. This is what you're supposed to do. I want you to live effectively. I want you to live in unity. I want you to live with humility. I want you to live sacrificially. I want you to live humbly. I want you to live victoriously. On and on and on, the Apostle Paul gives this church instructions after instructions after instructions on how to live. He wants them to live their life for other people. And after, as well as right in the middle of Paul's instructions here in Philippians 2, he then gives us the greatest example of Christian living, and that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the Apostle Paul is updating them on how to live, and he's saying, hey, I know this sounds harsh, I know this is a lot to throw at you, but hey, this is the way our Savior lived. This is the way Jesus Christ lived. Jesus Christ lived sacrificially. Jesus Christ lived for others. Jesus Christ lived for unity. And if we are going to call ourselves Christians, then we need to seek Christ in that way. We need to live for Jesus Christ. That's why Paul says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He wants us to think the way Jesus thinks, and he wants us to live the way Jesus lived. And that's what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2. But when I read Paul's instructions, man, I find myself making excuses. Right, I, I read this text, and I'm going through the book of Philippians, and, and I see these instructions that he gives about Jesus Christ, and I'm just like, oh, that's good. Man, that's what Jesus Christ did for me. That's, that's really awesome that he lived that way. And, and then I kind of just go on to the next verse. I think to myself, well, I can't live that way. I can't meet that standard. I can't live in that way that, that Paul's instructing me to live. i got to remember now Jesus is God and I'm man. Right? I come up with so many different excuses on why I can't live the way that I want to live. Why I can't live for Jesus Christ. Have you ever made excuses like that before? Spiritually speaking, you make excuses for your lack of spiritual growth. You make excuses for your shortcomings. You're looking at a guy who has right here, two hands way up. I'm not reading my Bible the way that I should, but man, I'm busy. It's a busy time of the year. Once summer ends, that's when I'm going to read my Bible, when it starts to die down. We make excuses. Or, or I'm not praying with my wife as much as I should, but we're on different schedules. Excuses. Right? The list goes on and on and on. I'm not attending church as much as I should. I'm not talking with my Savior as much as I should. I'm not witnessing as much as I should. And, and we come up with excuses. And maybe some of those excuses are legitimate. They very well could be. But when we read Philippians chapter 2, because of these excuses, 
as legitimate as they may be, we kind of shrug off this text. We move on to the next passage of Scripture. And I, I wonder, when I, I read this, I wonder if the Philippian church thought that same way. I wonder if they had that mentality as they're reading this letter from Paul, they, they hear these instructions from Paul on living like Jesus Christ, and, and I wonder if they thought themselves, hey, I can't live that way, let's move on. I wonder if they thought that way, because it's almost as if Paul was fully expecting the church at Philippi to make that excuse, because right after he gives the example of Jesus and he says, this is how you're supposed to live, the Apostle Paul goes on to give three more examples on Christ-like living. Three more examples of people from different backgrounds, with different perspectives, different likes and dislikes. And these three people, he says, these people live for Jesus Christ in spite of their excuses, and therefore you can as well. There's no excuses. There's no ways to get out of it. We are to live for Jesus Christ. And, and you find out when you read Philippians chapter 2 that these people that he's about to mention, Epaphroditus, Paul, and Timothy... Those three people, they had legitimate excuses. They had better excuses than you and I could ever have. But, but the thing that separated these three examples from us today is the fact that they didn't allow their excuses to get in the way of the example of Jesus that they strive to follow. They set their eyes on Jesus Christ. They realized that Jesus Christ was a standard, and they, no matter what came their way, no matter what trials they went through, no matter the excuse, they said, I'm going to keep on going for God. And we're going to look at those three examples today. We can gain hope from these people. We can, we can have peace from these people knowing that we can live a victorious life. And we're going to look at those three examples today in our message. And the first example Paul gives, number one, is himself. That's kind of how he begins. So after he describes on how to live, you're supposed to live for Jesus Christ, and, and he gives this example, he then kind of segues into the fact that this is the way he's living as well. Look at verse number 17 now. Look at how Paul begins there. He says, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. So you read that verse, and you find out Paul said the words, I twice, I sacrifice, I joy. Now, when Paul is saying that in verse 17, he wasn't putting himself on a pedestal. He wasn't saying, hey, look at me. I'm meeting the standard of Christ. Right? Look at me. I'm the one that you should look to. No, he's trying to connect with them. He's trying to reach them because, remember now, they know the Apostle Paul's situation. This is a prison epistle. The Apostle Paul was writing this letter to the local church at Philippi while he was in prison. While he was on house arrest in Rome, he's about to appear before trial, before Nero, and he doesn't know if he's going to die or if he's going to live. He's got thorns in the flesh. He's got trials. He's got persecutions, and they know this. And what he's saying here is, hey, if I can do it, so can you. If I can handle these trials and, and keep on living for God, you can do the exact same thing. Now, Paul could have come up with ample excuses on the reasons why he can't live a life of service. The reasons why he's not going to live with this Christ-centered mindset, right? I'm about to die. I'm, I'm, I'm on house arrest. I, I can't witness. I can't serve. I, I'm stuck here, right? I haven't fulfilled my bucket list in life yet, right? He could go on and on and on, give excuse after excuse after excuse. And I would think every single one of us would hear those excuses and say, man, 
He's right. He can't live for Christ yet. He's got excuses. But the Apostle Paul didn't give in to his excuses. No, in fact, this is so cool, guys. The Apostle Paul did the exact opposite. No, he actually used his excuses as fuel to go on for God. As a fuel to be able to go and, and reach and be a witness and live a life for Jesus Christ. He used it as fuel for the furtherance of the gospel. And we find out in Philippians chapter number 1 that it worked. In verse number 13, the Bible says, So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. So the Apostle Paul's on house arrest in Rome. He can't leave. But you want to know what he started to do? He started to have home church right there in his home. Right there in his house, training people and reaching people for Jesus, living with this joyful, victorious attitude. And he had a Roman guard chained to him night and day, different Roman guards at different times. And they were looking at Paul and they were just like, oh my goodness, how can you have joy in this situation? How can you live with this victorious life? I want what you have, Paul. And people were reaching and people were growing and people were accepting Christ because of Paul's example. So Paul became an example because he did not focus on his excuses. He had the mentality, for me to live as Christ, but to die as gain. That was his purpose statement in life. You see, Paul knew that Christ was stronger than his excuses. He knew that Christ was worth living for. And this is what he reiterates in verse number 17. So he gives the example of himself in Philippians chapter 1. And then in Philippians chapter 2, the way to victorious living, he says the exact same thing. Look at verse 17 again. Look at what he says. He says, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice of your faith. Now that phrase, if I be offered, is a very interesting phrase in the Bible. It's actually translated from the Greek word spendo, which means to pour out as a drink offering. And that was actually in reference to the animal sacrifices in the Old Testament. You see, when, when the Old Testament priests would offer an animal sacrifice, they would pour out a liquid as a drink offering along with it. And the drink offering represents that this sacrifice was to be pleasing to God. It was a sweet savor to God, the fact that they were sacrificing for Him. Now, you might be hearing this today and you may think this doesn't make sense. In the 21st century today, it really doesn't make sense, this idea of a drink offering and animal sacrifices. But in the first century, this meant everything to these group of people. They understood this very well. You see, Paul used this metaphor as pouring out his life as a drink offering to say that his life, if it was pleasing to God, if it honored God, if it made God happy, he would not count his life as a waste but instead rejoice to give his life for Christ. If I am making God happy with living this sacrificial life, if I'm living for Jesus Christ, even though my wants and my desires aren't fulfilled, hey, I will gladly accept that if it means making Christ happy, if it means bringing God the glory in my life. That's what Paul is saying there. And the picture that Paul is giving here in Philippians chapter 2 is that of Paul being spent and poured out in service for the cause of Christ and for the Philippian church. Now that's really cool. I love how the Apostle Paul says that. He says, I'm not just pouring my life out for Christ, but I'm pouring my life out for you. This church at Philippi that I love so much, I am giving my life for the church. I am pouring my life out for you. That's what Paul's saying, right? 
He's saying, hey, I'm not just giving a portion of my life. I'm giving my all. I am pouring out my entire life on the altar for Jesus Christ. And that's the example that Paul gives. The first example of living a righteous life for the Lord is Paul because Paul poured out his life for Jesus Christ. Paul poured out his life for the church. And that is a tough standard to follow. You know, I think many of us today, we take that mentality, hey, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. I'm going to go on for Christ. I know I have that mentality. But when we talk about pouring our life out as a drink offering, you want to know what we do? That's it. I'm pouring my life out, but we've got this much of our life still left. Right? That's kind of what we do. Right? But, but notice the text. It says, pour it out, the entire thing, as a drink offering on the altar of Christ. It's not keeping anything for yourself. All right? We're to pour out our entire life as a drink offering for Jesus Christ. And I told my wife that I was going to do this, and I'm true to my word. We're to pour our entire life out for Jesus Christ. Oh, too cold. I meant to drink more of this before I did this. I did this for the kids, guys. That way you guys pay attention. All right? But, but that's how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to pour out our entire life for Jesus Christ. I wish I was a dog so I could just, like, shake or something, get it all, get it all dry. But that's how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to pour our life out as an offering for Jesus Christ. That's Paul, guys. That's what Paul did. Now, we look at this example, and you may be thinking to yourself, yeah, but he was the Apostle Paul. Right? He's the greatest Christian of all time. The two examples that we see in Philippians chapter 2, Michael, they're not very good examples. We've got Jesus. We've got Paul. None of them are, 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 are something that we can obtain because we're just men. We're just humans. We're not Paul. We're not Jesus. Well, I, again, I love what Paul does here because he gives the example of Jesus. He gives the example of Paul. And then he gives the example of someone on our level. He gives the example of Timothy. So we see Paul the apostle, and then we see Timothy the pastor. Look at verse number 19. All right, look, what, look at what Paul goes on to say. He says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know of your estate. So we find out in this verse that Paul plans to send this dude named Timothy to check on this church and to help. Now, Timothy is a very prominent name in the Bible. You read the New Testament, you hear his name mentioned a lot. There's actually two books named after this guy named Timothy, right? And we find out when we read the Bible that Timothy was Paul's protege. Timothy was Paul's mentee. He was his second man in command. And he was a pastor that was learning behind the Apostle Paul. We actually find out in the book of Acts when you read it that Paul met Timothy on his first missionary journey around 10 years ago. And Timothy's been with Paul ever since. Learning behind Paul, studying behind Paul, learning the way to live a victorious life of service for Jesus Christ. He's been learning from Paul this entire time. And Paul uses Timothy as an example to this church. He uses Timothy. And, and in a sense, Paul is saying there in verse 19, okay, if Jesus is too high of an example, and if, if I'm too high of an example, how about Timothy? All right, I'm going to send Timothy to you, and he's going to show you how to live a life for Jesus Christ. He's going to show you how to live a life for Jesus in every single aspect. Timothy is the example. And you read verses 20 through 23, and you find out that Timothy is a great example 
of someone who lived for Jesus Christ. Timothy is awesome. Honestly, Timothy is probably my favorite character in the Bible of all time. Out of all the characters, I connect with Timothy the most. And in, and in these verses, these three short verses, we see four character traits of Timothy. Four different character traits. We find out that he is a great servant and a great servant in many ways. We find out, number one, that Timothy was a caring servant. A caring servant, first off. That's what we see in verse number 20. The Bible says, For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. That word care indicates having strong feelings for someone or something. So Paul says there, hey, the same way I feel about you is the same way Timothy feels about you. He cares for you deeply. He's burdened for you. He's concerned for you. He wants you to live the victorious life. He wants you to live a life for Jesus Christ. He cares for you the same way I do. Now, now think about that. That's really saying something about Paul. And that's really saying something about Timothy because Paul loved this church so much. He dedicated almost an entire chapter to the love that he had for this church in Philippians chapter 1. We just read the verse in verse 17 where Paul said, hey, I'm pouring my life out for you, church. And Timothy is saying, hey, I care for you. I love you in that same way. That is saying something about this man named Timothy. Timothy was awesome, guys. He was a caring servant for this church. So he was a caring servant, number one. But then number two, Timothy was also a dedicated servant. This man named Timothy was dedicated to Jesus Christ. He followed him. He said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And that's what we see in verse number 21. He was separate. He was the example even in Rome. Look what the Bible says there. The Bible says, for all seek their own, not the things which are Christ. So Paul goes on to say, hey, I'm sending Timothy. Timothy's going to be an example for you. And the reason why I'm sending Timothy is because Timothy is different from all the other Christians in Rome. He says, for everyone else seeks their own, but Timothy seeks Christ. And again, man, that is saying something about this dude named Timothy. Because remember now, Paul was around several Christians while he was in Rome. He had a little church in Rome while he was on house arrest. And he actually mentions 26 different people in the back end of the book of Romans that he was with on a daily basis. But none of those people were as good as Timothy. None of those people reached heights and had the hearts for Christ like Timothy did. So he says, they all seek their own. Timothy seeks Christ. I'm sending him. I'm sending Timothy. You see, Timothy wasn't selfish. Timothy wasn't in ministry for the wrong reasons. I know a lot of people who are in ministry for the wrong reasons, folks. A lot of people. He wasn't. No, he didn't seek his own. He served Christ. He cared for Jesus. He was a giver, not a taker. He was dedicated. So he was a dedicated servant. He was a caring servant. And then number three, he was also a proven servant. This is really cool. I love how Paul just lays out Timothy's resume here. Look at verse 22. He says, but ye know, the church at Philippi, you know the proof of him, that as a son with the father, he hath served with me in the gospel. He says, you know the proof of him. He's proven himself to you. And that's really cool. I love the phrases that Paul uses in the word of God because it just brings to light the text so much more. In the first century, if you look up that phrase, proof of him, it actually gave the picture of being put through a special test and gaining positive results. And the word was used of testing metal by putting it in a furnace to reveal if it was genuine or an imitation. And so essentially what Paul is saying there is, hey, Timothy's the real deal. 
Timothy's been put through the test. Timothy's gone through the fire, and he's proven himself. He is genuine. He is real. He is dedicated. He is a proven servant of Jesus Christ. Now, I know Timothy was Paul's right-hand man. Right-hand man. And, and you may think to yourself, you know, Paul is just building this guy up because um, he wants Timothy to, to have a good reputation, right? Well, understand this now. It's not just Paul saying this about Timothy. No, when, when Paul chose Timothy to go with him on his missionary's journeys, we're actually told in Acts chapter 16 that he was well spoken of by the brethren. So this man has proven himself to the church at Philippi. This man has proven himself to Paul. And this man has proven himself to everybody that he comes in contact with. Timothy was awesome. Timothy was the man. Timothy was incredible. He was wonderful. He was proven. He was dedicated. And then, number four, he was ready. Timothy was a ready servant. And that's how he closes verse 23. He says, Him therefore I hope to send instantly, as soon as I shall see how it will go with me. So, as soon as Paul says go, Timothy is ready to go, the Bible says. He's saying, let me know, boss, whenever you give me the go-ahead, I'm going to go and I'm going to go to Philippi, and I'm going to be an example, I'm going to lead, and I'm going to help him. But understand this now. You want to know how long it took to get to Philippi? Over 800 miles. And traveling's a lot different back then than it is now. And he's saying, hey, I'm ready. You just say the word and I'm going. He was a ready servant. He cared about others. He cared about this church. And, and I could go on and on and on, but for the sake of time, I'm going to stop there. But we see four awesome characteristics about Timothy that make this man awesome. You can see why he's my favorite character in the Bible. He's ahead of the game. He's on a whole other level. But, but understand this now. Timothy had so many excuses. Timothy had excuses behind the scenes that you don't know, that we don't even see in this text. And he had two major excuses that many of us have in the 21st century today. These two excuses that Timothy has are the same excuses that you and I come up with in order not to live for Jesus Christ. All right? And one of them is this, he was young. Now, I know that doesn't apply to all of you, but it applies to a lot of you guys here. He was young. And it's believed that he was around 30 years old at this time, and that was considered young when it came to ministry in Bible times. And we actually find out later that his young age led people to disrespect them or disrespect him and, and not take him seriously in a leadership role. He was a pastor in Ephesus, and, and, and they didn't respect him. I'm not going to listen to this guy. He's too young, right? He was um, disrespected because of that, because of his age. And, and honestly, Timothy could have used that as an excuse. He could have said, hey, guys, I'm too young to take on this responsibility. I'm too young to travel 800 miles and to be an example to this church. I'm too young. He could have said, even if I try to be an example, these people don't respect me. They're not going to listen to me. Why am I going to go? Why should I even go? They don't even respect me, right? He could have come up with excuses like that. I think of young people today that could come up with excuses like that. Dude, I, you're looking at somebody who deals with that on a daily basis, right? Excuses. But Timothy didn't do any of that. No, Timothy was used of God even though he was young, even though he had excuses, but he, because he pressed on. And one of the reasons why that is is because he had such a good mentor, the Apostle Paul actually wrote this to Timothy a little while later in 1 Timothy chapter 4 as he was pastoring a church in Ephesus. And he said this. He said, let no man despise thy youth, 
but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. He's saying, hey, it doesn't matter if people are looking down on you because you're young, you be an example. You live for Jesus Christ. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't do a work for God because you're young. Hey, I don't care who you are today. I don't care how old you are today. You can be an example to others. You can make an impact. I'm going to tell this story real quickly today. Bennett made an impact on my wife this past week because they were singing the gratitude song in junior church, and Bennett just started lifting his hands up, praising the Lord, and just praising God that entire time. And Hannah was like, man, I need to be like that. I need to praise the Lord that way. He, little Bennett, nine years old, made an example on his teacher, right? It doesn't matter how old you are, you can make an example, and you can be a great example for Jesus Christ. And that's what we see. Timothy was young. That's one excuse. And then this one, I know many of you guys have. No matter the age, no matter what, you can struggle with this next excuse. He also had anxiety. Did you know that? We don't think about that too much, but many Bible scholars actually believe that Timothy suffered with some pretty significant anxiety issues based on the writings of Paul. He had some mental health problems. There's nothing wrong with that. We actually see that in many different ways when we read 2 Timothy. In 2 Timothy 1.7, Paul told Timothy, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear. And that was actually in the context of ministry. He's pastoring a church and he doesn't know how he can stand up for God. He doesn't know how he can deal with the persecution on the outside and the persecution on the inside. And he feels like throwing in the towel. And he says, hey, Timothy, God hasn't given you the spirit of fear. Hey, he's given you power, love, and a sound mind. Follow God. Follow Jesus. Right? He was worried, though. He was scared. He also told Timothy later to drink a little wine for thy stomach's sake, indicating that he may have been worrying to the point of sickness. Right? Timothy could have used that as an excuse. He could have said, I've got anxiety, I've got some mental health problems, I can't live for Jesus Christ. I can't live a life for service. I can't follow God's plan for my life. I'd like to, but I've got some issues. He had so many excuses that he could have said, but I want you to know today, he didn't do any of those things. And you're looking at a guy today that could say both of those excuses. I'm too young. And you're looking at a guy that you wouldn't know this, I've got severe anxiety sometimes. Terrible, terrible anxiety. I, every night before bed, I replay every single conversation in my head for hours on end, and I can't sleep at night worrying about, oh, I said this thing wrong, or oh, they're going to take this the wrong way, and, and, and I can struggle with that. And there's been times in my life where I would literally make myself sick because of the anxiety that I had, and, and praise God, I've gotten so much better at that over the years, but I still suffer with it. Just talk to my wife about it. She'll give you some examples, right? I, I, I could have excuses not to be up here today. But man, understand this now, my God and his calling for my life is greater than my excuses. That's what Timothy's did. So, so far we've looked at two examples. We've looked at a pastor and we've looked at an apostle. Now you might be thinking, okay, Timothy's a pastor, Paul's an apostle, that doesn't speak to me very well. Well, again, Paul addresses that issue and gives us one more example that every single one of us today can connect with. If you are in church today, you can connect with this third example, and that is Epaphroditus, the layman, the person that just attends church. Epaphroditus is the example. Look at verse number 25, and I'm going to work quickly. I'm going to work quickly today. The Bible says, Yet I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. 
Now, we know Timothy very well. We know the Apostle Paul very well. Not many of us know Epaphroditus. But Epaphroditus is an incredible, incredible man of God. He's only mentioned twice in the entire Bible, and both times it's right here in the book of Philippians. But he played a major role in Paul's life, a major role in the success of the church at Philippi, and a major role in Christianity as a whole. You see, Epaphroditus was sent by the Philippian church to bring a gift to Paul and to stay with him during his confinement, to help him out while he's on house arrest. But not only that, this is so cool, guys, he was also the one who brought Paul's letter back to the church. So this book that we're reading right now, the book of Philippians, Epaphroditus had his hands on this letter. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be preaching out of this book today. He made a major impact on all of Christianity. But understand this. He wasn't an apostle. He wasn't a pastor. He was just a layman in the church. He was just somebody that attended church just like you. He held no office. He wrote no books. He preached no sermons. He led no great revivals for God. He was just a messenger for the gospel and a servant for his Lord. And because of that, his name is etched in eternity in this wonderful book.